Isaiah 53 and the New Living Translation. If you got the King James, that's okay. If you got the New American Standard, that's okay. If you got the Christian Study Bible, that's okay. The reason this is so important is because in the world we live in today, there's just a, a humanistic movement to bring into doubt Jesus being the Son of God. Uh, we know that different faiths don't believe that he's the Son of God. But one thing that I've learned is, and I read this, I didn't come up with it, but it, it, it stuck in my mind. It said, no matter what you think, or doctrinally, if you disagree, or whatever, there's two basic truths that we need to learn. No matter what, no matter how the world changes or society changes, Jesus will always be the Son of God. Can I get an amen? And a lot of people get a lot of revelations today because we live in a time of prophetic revelations and things like that. But here's how to measure them sometime. As we've been studying in First John, two things. Number one, Jesus will always be the Son of God, no matter what happens in our lives, okay? And number two, no new revelation will ever bring that into question. Do I need to say that again? Do you believe that? Jesus is the Son of God. And we want dreams and visions and great things to happen in our life, but no revelation will disagree with the fact that Jesus is Lord and He is the Son of God. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. So, Isaiah 53 is kind of a lost chapter in Israel. It's kind of avoided. Uh, I, I could have Jeffrey speak a little bit more of this when he comes, but it's kind of avoided by the, the Jews because they don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. But 500 years before Jesus came, the prophet Isaiah prophesied that he was coming. Things like this just don't happen by accident. It teaches us that God has a divine and sovereign plan for our lives. God had a way of redemption since the fall of man. And there's only one way, and that's through Jesus. And we live in a prophetic age now where we need to listen to the voice of the prophets, but also the voice of the prophets must agree with what the Word of God says. I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation, and then for the next couple of weeks, we're going to break it down verse by verse, and we're going to see the importance of believing Isaiah's report, okay? Go with me to verse 1 in the New, and this will preach for me, it'll preach for you, it'll preach for anybody that wants to share the gospel. Remember, this is 500 years before the birth of Christ. How many of you believe in prophecy today? I believe in the prophetic voice that's crying out. But measure every prophecy by its agreement with the Word of God. Another way to measure prophecies is if someone comes up to you and prophesies to you something completely out of left field, be careful with that also. Because usually a word of prophecy will impel you to go on to a next level or it will bring uh, agreement into something that you've been feeling an urge about, okay? So always test that because many people 
want to help, want to say things, but always be sure that it just doesn't come out of nowhere. Be sure that it agrees with the Word of God and it, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It comes into agreement with things that are already in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's read this. Who has believed our message? I'll comment on it after we get through. This is so rich, I might, I mean, some of you might just want to get up and preach this. Who's believed our message? To whom will the Lord reveal his saving power? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot sprouting from a root in dry and sterile ground. Kind of sounds like Israel, doesn't it? Other things. Oh, boy. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows. Acquainted with bitterest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. When he went by, he was despised and we did not care. Boy, is this a salvation chapter or whatever? Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins. But he was wounded and crushed for our sins. If you want to amen this anywhere, you sure can. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was whipped and we were healed by his stripes. All of us have strayed away like sheep. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the guilt and sins of us all. I think that deserves an amen right there. Hallelujah. Verse 7, he was oppressed and treated harshly. Yet he never said a word. How many of you remember Jesus before Pilate? And all the accusers. You know, folks, brothers and sisters, I never use that term, but for some reason I want to today. This is a prophecy that exactly describes our Savior. Now, the Jewish people were looking for a heavenly kingdom. They thought Messiah was going to restore the kingdom. And I'm preaching ahead of myself here, Holy Spirit. But Jesus foretold that. He said, my kingdom's not of this world. My kingdom is, and my bread and my sustenance is due the will of the Father. When you're expecting an earthly kingdom, you're disappointed sometimes in that it's not an earthly kingdom, but we miss it when we don't realize that God sent his son more for an eternal kingdom than he did an earthly kingdom. Earthly kings are easy to make. Every country's got a king or a president or something like that. But there's only one God, and there's only one that sent his son. It's amazing, these prophecies... 500 years, that proves to me how true the word of God is. The Jews wanted an earthly kingdom. They still do. But guess what? The Bible says that when he comes, every eye is going to see him. 
And those that pierced him are going to look upon him. And he will reveal himself. Not that he hid himself, but they walked in darkness and they rejected him. There's so much more, but I don't want to get ahead. Verse 7, he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shears. Sheep are very docile animals. Just while we're reading this, just get a picture of who this is. He did not open his mouth. From prison and trial, they led him away to his death. But who among the people realized that he was dying for their sins? Wow. That he was suffering their punishment. He had done no wrong. And he never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. That ought to make you shout hallelujah. (laughs) The church establishment didn't accept him. But Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus were brave enough. And Arimathea went and asked for the body of Christ that he made properly. These guys knew the book of Isaiah. One thing I love about the New Testament is that it agrees with the Old Testament. (laughs) He was laid in a rich man's grave. That grave belonged to someone else. He didn't even, he said, the birds have nests, the foxes have, but the son of man has nowhere even to lay his head. And that prophecy, that description of himself played out to the end. But listen, he only borrowed that grave. He only borrowed that grave for three days. (laughs) He only borrowed it for three days. I'm going to read that again. He was buried like a criminal. He didn't even have his own plot. Nowadays, back a few years ago, everybody used to be calling you on uh, grave plots. Remember? Can you buy this? You play it. There's nothing wrong with that. The king of all the world, the maker of everything, didn't have a place to even lay his head, even in death. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law and the scripture. I came to fulfill them. So here's a good one. He's fulfilling right here. He was buried like a criminal. They didn't even, listen, what happens is, and it, the Pharisees back then and the world today, they don't have time for the things of God. The day he was crucified was what? What was what were they celebrating? Passover, the Sabbath, right? And they had to have his body off the cross and in the grave before the Sabbath started. The king of kings hung on a cross before them, and they didn't recognize it, and they were more concerned about their time slot or getting him in the grave so that things could proceed so they wouldn't break the Sabbath Well, the biggest Sabbath breaking of all time is when they crucified Jesus and ignored him. But the world still does that today. Hurry up, do this, hurry up, do that. Get him in the grave. We don't want to break the Sabbath. And all along, we don't see the things that are going on that are spiritual instead of temporal. So they put him in a rich man's grave. Excuse me one second. 
Let's read on. But this was God, this was the Lord's good plan. To crush him and fill him with grief. Wow. Yet when his life was made an offering for sin, he will have a multitude of children. Can I get an amen there? Why is it so important that we accept his offering for sin? Because we want to become sons and daughters of God. We've been adopted into his eternal family. And we can't live our life with blinders on because then we miss that. And many heirs. I'm an heir of Jesus Christ. I'm an heir of the Heavenly Father. He will enjoy a long life. And the Lord's plan will prosper in his hand. He prayed in the garden. He said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your will be done. I believe, and I've said this before, a lot of people said, well, he had no choice. Listen, he was God that came down and became man. He was the perfect sacrifice because as the lamb that they sacrificed had to have no imperfections for the Passover, he carried our sins and he was perfect. And God's plan prospered in his hands. Can you imagine the agony in the garden? I've been in the Garden of Gethsemane over there. And they have some olive trees that they say are 2,000 years old over there that date from the time of Christ. Now you can't get in and touch them because they've got fences around it and everything else. But imagine, and it's not that far from where he prayed in agony and they came and got him and took him to Caiaphas' house. It's not very far. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We've walked up them same steps that Jesus walked up when he was on his way to Caiaphas' house. We stood in the jail where they let him down with ropes. Anybody been there and seen that? You can physically see that today. God's plan prospered in his hand, even when he could have got out of it. God's plan, because of God's plan, and he carried it through, we're prospering right now. You're prospering. I got to go on. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of what he has experienced, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted Righteous. Why? For he will bear all their sins. 500 years before this, Isaiah is saying this. Wow. Verse 12, I will give him the honors of one who is mighty and great. Great are you, Lord. All the earth will shout your praise. Sing that with me. All the earth will shout your praise. Hearts will cry, each tongue proclaim. Great are you, Lord. With your breath in our lungs, we pour out our praise. Pour out our praise with your breath in our mouth. We pour out our praise. 
There's angels in heaven right now singing that very. Because God's plan prospered in Jesus' hand. Reminds me, well, what did he leave us? What did he leave us? He left us the promises of the word. There's something else that Isaiah said also. Boy, Isaiah knew what was going on, didn't he? How did Isaiah know what was going on so much? Because he said, I saw the Lord. (laughs) He said, I saw the Lord. He, He was already a holy man. He was already a prophet. But sometimes God just needs to take things to the next level for revelation to take place. He said, I saw the Lord. And he was high and lifted up. In his glory, his train filled the temple. <laughs> and the foundations. You know, when we have a real revelation of God sometimes, first thing he does before we're saved is he reveals our sin to us. Not condemnation, but conviction. He reveals what we need to make right in our lives. That's the first thing he does. And then when we step into that place, what a glorious thing, because then we can behold his glory. (laughs) I will give him the honors of one who is mighty and great. Our God is mighty to save. He's mighty to save. I'm not supposed to be preaching all this right now. You know why he deserves might and mighty and great? Look at the next part. Because he exposed himself to death. Nobody forced him. He laid down his life. He said, I lay down my life and I'll take it back up again. Now we believe, and I've said this so many times here over the years, we believe from this side of the gospel. We believe from having it written down where we can see everything that happened and look at it in a retro type thing. But in the Old Testament, all they had was prophetic voices. Isaiah did not see what he was prophesying. So he saw it from this side. Imagine if we split this room in half and half of you are operating with a, with a hope and a belief, but you physically haven't seen it. And then you go to the other side of the room and all these guys have seen history unfold. And what you were hoping for has been revealed to them because they live on the other side of history. And everybody in this church today, if you're born again, if you serve the Lord Jesus Christ, you're on this side of history and you're understanding this. A lot of people say, well, I don't understand the Old Testament. It's all so vague and all those laws and everything. Listen, read the Old Testament with the understanding that everything in there points to Jesus. He was high and lifted up, and his glory filled the temple. And I said, oh, I'm undone, because I'm like everybody else in this building. I'm a man of unclean lips. I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Forgive me for that, Lord. 
But he said, don't worry, I got a solution for all your problems. And he sent an angel, one of the seraphim. Uh-oh, it's going to get... He sent an angel to take a, with a pair of tongs to take a coal off the altar. You know why the altar is so important is because they had fire on the altar and all the time. That's why it's important. They weren't just laying there burning. They were for a purpose. And when God moves in a way like he did last week, it just wasn't so we could burn. There's a purpose behind it. <laughs> there's so many things that take place in, in a move of the Holy Ghost. There's healing. There's revelation. There's prophecy. That all took place here last week. One thing I need to say, though, is sometimes when the Holy Ghost is moving, things get a little messy, and there might be things happen that you don't understand. Well, that's okay. That's, Linda said, that's how we learn. That's how we practice. Doctors practice medicine. Sometimes we practice the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Think about it. First time I ever spoke in tongues, I tried real hard and tried real hard and couldn't do it. I was practicing. And then the day that it hit me, I was working at the Millennium the Stouffer's Hotel downtown. And I got filled with the Holy Ghost on my lunch break. And I was a babbling. I was practicing up until that point. I had a friend that was Christian, went to a Methodist church full of the Holy Ghost. And said, just do this. Just, you know, just start like it. And I thought, well, this is goofy. I don't know. I'm getting, I was a song leader in the Methodist church. Song leader. Told that story many times. After 16 years, you get to hearing the same story. But forgive me, that's my testimony. That's what got me here. I'll never forget. And she said, just keep on. And buddy, when it hit, I saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up. But now, every now and then, I feel like we need to revisit that. And that's what happened last weekend in a lot of lives. Okay. Now, if you weren't here last week, you say, oh, man, I wish I was in on that. Well, I do too. There's, there's two things that'll thin out the church. A bad pastor and a move of the Holy Ghost. All right, let's get back to the text. Because he exposed himself to death, he was counted among those who were sinners. He that knew no sin, that had no spot, thought it not robbery to come down. This is all scripture. He bore the sins of many and interceded for who? For who? Anybody reading that? It says rebels there. It says sinners here. I don't know what happened there. Wow. Okay. Now, I love it when the Old Testament and the New Testament come into agreement, which they always do. And I got a few notes here, I hope. Of confirmation. Just so you know, we can be very religious and still miss it. 
what happened to my... There we go. I don't usually do a whole bunch of notes. Go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Everybody say New Testament. Where's Isaiah? Old Testament. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 10 and Romans. I'm sorry, Jim. I'm hard to keep up with. Romans 10 and there's so much in here too. Verse 9. Let's go to verse 9. I'm sorry, Jim. We're going to get, it's going to get thick now. Nine, yes, please. New Living Translation. Here we go, verse nine. For if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? You will be what? No certain qualifications to this. You will be. Say, I will be. be. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the Scripture tells us, anyone who believes in Him will not be disappointed. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They all have the same Lord who generously gives his riches to all who what ask for them. For anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them? Boy, that just breaks it down from the top to the bottom. And we're included in that lineage somewhere. Unless someone goes in and tells them. And how will they go and tell them without being sent? (laughs) This is what the scripture meant when it said, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But now look at verse 16. But not everyone welcomes the good news. Look at what it says here. For Isaiah the prophet said, what did he say? Lord, who has believed our what? Our message. Where did we just read that from? Paul knew his Bible. He said, this matches up with what the prophet Isaiah said. Lord, who believes our message? The same thing is going on today. Who believes the message of the Lord? Yet faith comes from listening to this message of good news. The good news about Christ. Amen? Go to John chapter 12, verse 38. And I'm sure I'll probably backtrack from that. John 12, 38. Old Testament, New Testament, they're in agreement. (laughs) Getting excited now. 
Verse 37. 37, Jim. I'm so sorry. But Jesus says, but despite all the miraculous signs he had done, most of the people did not believe in him. This is exactly what who? Isaiah the prophet said. What did he say? Lord, who has believed our message? When we first started going to Mexico on missions trips, they were singing the song. I don't know if you sang it in your churches back then, but we had a guy that was in charge of missions in, 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 in our home church, and he used to sing, Whose report shall we believe? We shall believe in the report of the Lord. And they used to sing that and sing it and sing it. Well, who has believed our message? We shall believe in the report of the Lord. Amen? <laughs> They did not, this is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted, Lord, who's believed our message. But whom will the Lord reveal his saving power? Remember Isaiah 53. But the people couldn't believe, for Isaiah also said, the Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, so their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Now that's speaking directly to his chosen people, the Jews. You say, well, they didn't have a choice because God hardened their heart. Different translations have this different way. The hardening of a heart takes place in us first. That's where, that's where it's initiated is in us. Pharaoh hardened his heart. He even changed his mind. But then the minute they take off, he'd get them back again. So be careful that you don't harden your heart. Now go to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2. We've had Isaiah... We've had John writing about it. John references scripture. This is all coming out of verse 1. Who has believed our report? And that's how we're going to end up today, talking about who has believed our report. Not my report, but the Lord's. Hebrews chapter uh, 4. Is anybody still here? Oh, he's got it now. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Jim. Verse 2, please. Good news. That's what the gospel is, right? Is good news. Oh, I could, I could read the rest of it. Okay. For, for this good news, who has believed our report that God has prepared a rest? And it has been announced to us just as it was to them. Who? Old Testament, New Testament. It was announced to us just like it was announced to them. Okay. We're on this side of history. They're on that side. God's going to explain why verse one is so heavy and says, who has believed our report? It says, it's been announced, just, but it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listen to God. Amen. Go on. For only we who believe can enter his rest. I want to ask you something. How many of you just need a good rest? Okay, again, there's all kinds of different rests we can enter into. 
There's this side of rest that's a physical. There's nothing wrong with needing a physical rest. But then sometimes, even for believers, you need a spiritual rest. And he promised that rest back in the Old Testament. And here again in Hebrews, Paul is alluding in the New Testament to that rest that is offered unto us. Not only is it physical, it's also spiritual. Don't condemn yourself by needing a spiritual rest. Not that you need to neglect praying or anything that you do now. But God said, if we believe, we'll be able to enter into that rest. Which reminds me of the peace that passes all understanding. There's times we get tired. There's times where the enemy stands us on our head almost. And we don't know how to react. And that's when we go back to Psalm 3 and say, Lord, thou art a shield for me. My glory and the lifter up of my head because I can't handle this on my own. God said, in my anger, I took an oath that they will never enter into my rest. They will if they believe. But the world today does not believe his message, our message, the message that went out in Romans to all the earth. God has revealed his glory to all mankind since the beginning of time. He said, this is the way I'm going to do things. And man keeps on saying, we don't believe your way of doing things. And he said, but to all those that believe, even though we have problems, we can enter into his rest. Let's go on. Even though, look at this. Oh, I didn't even know I was going to say that. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. The Bible says in the last days, knowledge will be increased. There's such an increase. of. When I lived in Mexico, I never knew what a cell phone was or anything. We used to arrange groups of 30 people from where Nancy's from in Aldea, her little village. They had one phone in the whole village. In a store, and you sort of have to go down there and stand in line. This was just 20, uh, 20 years ago. You'd stand in line, and we could arrange everything. And I came back here, and everybody, when we moved back, everybody had cell phones and this and that and everything else. And they'd say, well, get, I'd get a, I got a cell phone. I still didn't know how to use it. Well, get this. And I got that, and I didn't know how to use it. Knowledge is definitely being increased. Every day, they come out with a bigger TV with a bigger picture on it. I can't keep up with it all. I almost feel guilty because my one TV I bought like 12 years ago. I thought, man, the pressure is on to buy something bigger. They got a screen now that's 150 feet wide. And they they tell you all the time, you need a new TV, you need a bigger screen. Well, the, I don't think you should watch TV like we did in the 50s like this. That's a, but when's it going to stop? Technology is just booming. Knowledge has been being increased to and fro, and a lot of it is anti-rest. It's anti-physical rest, and it's anti-spiritual rest. Go on, Jim. Thank you. I know I'm going too long. We know it is ready because of the place in the Scripture where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God did what? He rested. Keep on going. I I got to finish up. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my rest. Those are the ones that don't believe. 
Not you. you. We have the opportunity. It's been there since the beginning. Go on a little bit more. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. Next verse. So God sent another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. That time is today. As we've said many times, there's different levels of closest intimacy with God in this room. That's for every man to judge on his own. It's not for me to judge. It's not for anybody else to judge. We need to give grace when people make mistakes because the day will come where we'll make a mistake and we'll need grace also. Judge not that you be not judged because whatever judgment you mete out, it shall return unto you. And you say, well, that's, well, aren't we supposed to call out things that are wrong? Yes, we are. But, but, we all get other chances, second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances. And every one of them shouts out, who has believed our message? Who has believed our report? Who has believed? God announced this through David. God said this time, and the time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today when you hear his voice. Keep on going, Jim. I'm going to just read this out, and then we'll go back next week. Don't harden your hearts. Okay, we're going to run it now. I just want to finish out chapter 4 and then we'll... Verse 8. And just keep it going. I'll keep up. Okay, we're going to run with it. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. Joshua was the one who was in charge when they entered into the promised land. They thought that that would be the end of the battles, but it wasn't. In a lot of ways, it was just the beginning of the battles. Because then they couldn't blame the Canaanites and the Malachites and the Herzites and the Parasites. and They couldn't blame them for their problems. They had to take responsibility for their own. Let's keep on. So there's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. Because Joshua couldn't give it to them in a physical sense because... The Jews don't believe today because they're looking for a physical, earthly kingdom. (laughs) For all those who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as the Lord did after creating the world. Did God need a rest? No. But he wanted to set up a Sabbath worship not a Sabbath worship, that's part of the law, but a Sabbath obser- observance because mankind physically will kill himself because the devil will push us to kill ourselves. He said, you've got to slow down, but if we disobey as the people of Israel did, we will fall. Keep on going. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It cuts between the soul and spirit. Yes, they are different. Between joint and marrow. Yes, they are different. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Keep going, Jim, till we finish that out. Verse 13. Hallelujah. Nothing in all creation can hide from him. 
Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. This is the God to whom we must explain all that we have done. That is why we have a great high priest who has gone where? To heaven. Jesus, who is he? Who is he? What did I tell you earlier about this movement to, to deny that he's the son of God? He's just a prophet or he's a good teacher or he's this or that. Jesus is the son of God. That's the good news. What was the good news in Bethlehem? For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, Christ the Lord. He's always been God's son. He'll always be God's son. And let us cling to him and never stop trusting him. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Anybody weak in here? For he faced all of the same temptations we do, and he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, that we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need. And Dave, come if you would, please. That all come out of who has believed our message. God always confirms his word. Next week, we're going to deal with verse 2. <laughs> that the Holy Spirit anointed who has believed our five words in the hands of the Holy Spirit that I am a messenger of can turn into an hour. That's how much God confirms who he is. So Dave, sing us a song. Let's all stand. There's a couple of invitations here. First one is, we must admit that he is the Son of God. Then, because Isaiah, the Bible says in Hebrews also, that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And guess what? Who believed the message and who didn't believe the message? You know, there's some doctrinal differences about what happened after Jesus was brought down from the cross when he was in the grave. Some people deny that he went and preached to the captive spirits. I believe what the scriptures say. It's not worth getting in a doctrinal debate about it. But that was their other chance. That was their day. They didn't believe before that. But boy, did they believe after. And it says he took the keys to death, hell, and the grave.